Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Everybody, this is Captain Jeff. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Our sponsors for today are Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire makes bone broth, Kato soups, and classic soups. This stuff is like healthy, you know, for a healthy lifestyle. If you're into like a healthy gut, um, a healthy complexion, a better immunity system. This is a good health food for you. If you'd like to order from Kettle and Fire, enter the promo code Waypoint to get 15% off on any order. This bone broth is hard to make, and it's definitely worth the time and energy to get out to Kettle and Fire. Use the promo code Waypoint. Also brought to you by the Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. You can go by car, or you can go by water. Enjoy the nautical atmosphere, a great menu, and everybody has a great time at the Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. This episode is with Captain Norm Beckoff, and we got a little bit of a blue marlin craze down here in South Florida. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. So in the Lunker Dog Studios today, I got Norm Beckoff from Finest Kind Sport Fishing. And um, Norm's been around Fort Lauderdale for an awful long time. Been around fishing for an awful long time. And um, Norm and I have been on a quest to catch a blue marlin here off the coast of Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Norm, first of all, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. What do you think the whole infatuation with the blue marlin thing off the coast from Fort Lauderdale, or so they say from Palm Beach to Miami is? Because as soon as we let the cat out of the bag that we were actually targeting one, you saw this huge momentum. Hashtag South Florida Blue Marlin Classic. What do you think that's yeah. all about? What do you think yeah. that energy is all about? Man, I got to tell you what. I think we kind of, I think we, I think we poked a bear. Okay, I think we we woke up a beast. Okay, and that beast has been lying dormant pretty much since our our fathers have gotten out of the out of the the, the business or passed on. You know, it used to be that years ago, <clears throat> you know, our old man. My old man, especially, uh, 
you know, when we went offshore, the only thing we wanted to catch was a bellfish. Well, there was a sailfish, blue marlin, and white marlin. Okay, right. that was that was the that was the goal every single time you went out. Okay, we didn't go dolphin fishing. We didn't go king fishing. You know, we didn't go. You know, uh, you know, looking specifically for wahoos. Okay, we were looking for a billfish. That's the holy grail of the big game sport fishing. Okay, besides maybe a bluefin tuna and a swordfish. Right. And you know, uh, and and the whole. The whole of this fishing community, the South Florida fishing community, really did, in the old days, grow up with that mindset. Right. Okay? And that's the mindset. Right. Everything revolved around Everything revolved, the big trophy. The, uh, right. Okay. And, you know, uh, the er, in the early days, there was guys going out trying to catch blue marlins out of Miami. And they were catching them. They were catching, you know, 400-pounders out of Pier 5. Right. Okay. They were catching them in haul over the old, the you know the castaways dock, and that wasn't that long ago. That was you're talking about the late '60s, early '70s into the early '80s. Yeah. They okay. Were doing, they were doing it all the way into probably the mid '80s. Yeah. They could hold tournaments. People would show mm-hmm. up. People would compete. There were billfish tournaments. It goes even deeper than that, Norm, because <clears throat> you know when my dad was building boats in the old days. Yeah. Forget about the even getting a rod ready yet they would spend a year spending money to make sure their boat would perform absolutely so they could target the billfish that's what that absolutely well again that's what boat builders did right okay right that's 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 how that's how merits even happened Okay. Tons of boats. Tons of boats. Sure. Bribovich, Merritt's, all of them. Dude, the okay. little 31 Bertram friggin' grew its reputation. <laughs> its brand on that. Absolutely. On catching blue marlin. Don't let it. Sailfish and white marlin, yeah. But it was really Absolutely. about catching blue marlin here yeah. in South Florida and through the Caribbean, all the way to Venezuela. Well, what happened was, is in the early days, you know, they realized that they could, and I say the early days, we're talking the the, 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 the late 30s and early 40s. Okay. It's pretty fucking early, man. All right. Yeah. No, and that's what it was. It was the early, it was the late thirties and early forties, okay. Uh really in the days of Hemingway, okay, where these guys were coming down to South Florida and they were looking for billfish, and then they realized, well, we can catch maybe one or two or three here and there, okay? And the attraction was is that the Gulf Stream was very close to the inlet we didn't have to run 40 miles we didn't have to run 50 miles Correct. 90 miles Correct. okay but then they realized well there's maybe maybe there's some places where we can run to like bimini and cat okay and the they discovered marlin fishing over there same thing cuba okay the guys in key west were running down to cuba to go blue marlin fishing okay and then in the 80s they found that the uh woods wall Okay, that's a that's a blue marlin fishery, and then and, you know they, these guys they started developing all of these places where they can run just a little bit further over to the Bahamas or down to Cuba, okay, or you know, uh, Quesal, right. and and get some really really great marlin fishing, and it could be still a day's run from South Florida, okay, right. and that's how that and and because of that, and of course the boats started getting faster and more, you know, uh, sophisticated. The South Florida fishery kind of dropped off, okay? Uh, the People became less and less enthralled with trying to chase a blue marlin in South Florida, right. okay? And at about the same time, you know, you started seeing all these meat tournaments, you know, like the, the SKA, 
you know, and and these guys are now all of a sudden, you know, well, we don't really care so much about fishing for blue marlin in South Florida, but, but hey, look at this. We go catch dolphin. Blackfin tunas. Blackfin tunas. Okay. Bonitos. You know, there's all these there's all these other great fish. And I'm not disparaging anybody who wants to go dolphin fishing. Okay. I, or king fishing. I'm not I'm not doing that at all. Okay. Uh, but what I am saying is is that the guys that are were specifically looking to go catch a blue marlin kind of faded away or they 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 went to other destinations like St. Thomas, which are now totally accessible and you know all over the bahamas north carolina bermuda you know and all these other places and so, so it just kind of it kind of fizzled out well yeah it fizzled out and do you think that the energy that we saw on social media with the interest about oh. what we were doing and what they wanted to do and then all of a sudden people talking about tournaments do you think that's something that's like almost like a dna coming out of some of these people i think it's a nostalgia thing to partly because a lot of the guys like you and me who grew up with guys like you know our dads that you know wanted it you know they it just kind of sparked that interest okay it, it kind of rekindled that fire yeah. and uh, I, I think there's a lot of guys, i think there's a lot of people that um have the same type of heritage that yeah. could smell it taste it a little bit and yeah. then it was important to them you know what i mean it was part of like i said their dna and um, I don't know. It really brought some joy to me like, watching that. It's fresh. And then and then and it's fresh. And it's fresh. And then guys like Eric Leach and Tiny Walcott, and then you know some of the old time Marlin fishermen started yeah. to get in the groove. Yeah. And you never see those fuckers on Facebook and shit. I mean, some <laughs> of them, but most of them stay kind of quiet and don't really say that much. And then they'll put a lunker in somebody's face every once in a while. Yeah. But you usually don't get that camaraderie. And then. The encouragement that everybody's giving one another. Yeah. You know, thinking about the old days and that style of fishing. Oh, man. Let me tell you what. When I, uh, when I posted that, that we had that, uh, that blue marlin on, on the Castaways Dock page, okay, all these old timers came out of the woodworks. Like, they, oh, man, you know. They, they couldn't they, help themselves. They could, it, I mean, it was just, like I said, I mean, I, 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 we kind of woke a sleeping giant in, in, in some ways. It, 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 it made me feel good. Made me think about some things, some memories and stuff that I haven't thought about for years. I think it was doing the same thing to the other guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, um, then I started to feel this like sense of camaraderie again. Kind of like the old tournament days. Oh, man. Yeah, you were competing against one another, and you'd motherfuck one another. But on the other hand, it was important to you that they were there in the tournament, that Absolutely. you could compete against them. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you could go and make fun of each other and have drinks together. Yep. And I think all of that stuff started to friggin' ferment. Yeah. And Well, that had been... I, I think that that's been lost in some tournaments and i'm not going to tell you that i'm a tournament expert by any means i used to fish a lot of tournaments with my father when i was a kid and i know exactly what you're talking about about that com camaraderie I, I i know it i lived it for many many years um you know and the, to be honest with you the last tournament that i fished was an ska tournament probably in 1996 or 97 and you know it was it the the face of tournaments had just totally changed and i wasn't impressed okay now you got all these sponsors and it's big money and you got it's, the, it's canned the team this and team it's, that they all look like a bunch of nascar wannabes and dude it's canned you know, it's, it's just canned yeah you know what i mean it's it, fake 
and you can feel it. It doesn't have that same. No. It doesn't have that same feeling. Doesn't have that same heritage to it. No, it doesn't. And uh, yeah, cool. They give away a bunch of prizes and there holds a bunch of companies involved, but I fungal that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. You know, I miss the old days of the the Fort Lauderdale Billfish tournament. I really do. The Fort Lauderdale Billfish tournament fun. and some of the Huge. other tournaments that we had down here, they were big. They were in the epitome of the industry. Yeah. Meaning the guys that fished it lived it. Yeah. There was no disconnect. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, I have a friggin' boat plant in friggin' Georgia. The guy had a boat plant right here in Miami, had a boat plant right here in Palm Beach, yeah. right here in Fort Lauderdale. That same dude that would build boats, outfit boats, fix boats, was the same dude fishing in the tournament. It was a community. And if you're, it was a community event. Right. And if your yeah. boat broke, how many hands would reach out to make sure that you could... Right get, there. Right. Right now. You don't feel that anymore, no, man. Uh, it's all gone. And, and, and I guess there's not a necessity for it. I guess it's not important to people anymore. No, no, that's 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 for sure. But you know, let's let's talk about this uh, this blue marlin fever that seems to be percolating a little bit here in South Florida, from Palm Beach uh, to Miami, and maybe into the Keys a little bit. Uh, but uh, it seems like there's a whole heck of a lot of interest since. Uh, I, you know, since we started talking about this, who's and doing the, it. Who's the dude that's been pushing to put on the tournament? Do you know him? You're talking about Bruce Burnett. I guess that's who it is. Um, you know, he's you a guy that I don't really know him. I per don't se. know him that well either. Um, Only but, from social media. Yeah, he, he seems, seems like a cool dude. Yeah, he seems like a pretty, pretty straight up dude. Um, I haven't seen much in the way of what they're planning to do. It might be a kind of a Met type of thing. Right. Uh, you know, or it might be the kind of thing where they say, "All right, um, we're going to pick a day. Uh, we're going to pick a you know a week um, in April or May. Okay, hopefully they do it in May mm-hmm. uh, of next year, and we're going to we're going to pick a whole week, and whoever catches the mo- you know the most blue marlin or however it's based on time or whatever. But you know they might do something like that. I really would like to see them do a Met style. Uh, tournament where they pick three months. Right. That'd okay. Be, that'd be good. April, May, and June. Okay. Or four months. You could even do it into July, the first moon in July. And and uh, make it something that's kind of drawn out a little bit because it's not like you get shots every day. If you want to win something like that, if you really want to post some numbers, you got to put some time and effort into it. And I think if they did it uh, over the course of three or four months, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, it would have that many more people trying that much longer. I also think... Okay, and that, I like that. Well, I think that works well, too, because I think there's a lot of people out there that have a strategy to catch the fish Yeah, that has to do with timing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if the tournament allowed them to make their timing um, you know, a major you know, decision or a major part of the tournament. Yeah. I think it would entice more people to, you know, get involved as opposed to say, I don't know, the tournament gets scheduled on a long weekend. That long weekend is a full moon and nobody thinks they're going to catch something anyway. So the attendance is cut by a third or half. Right. Or the best people. Or there's a competing tournament. Oh, yeah. Competing tournaments are big. I didn't even think about that. That's one of the biggest issues with tournaments now is there's so many friggin' tournaments that if you wanted to schedule a tournament, you'd, it'd be 
there isn't a weekend that you're not going to compete with yeah. somebody. Yeah. It seems like, anyway. Seems like it, yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of like the idea of, of doing it, you know, you know, the Met was always an annual thing. Uh, explain, but, I mean, some of the audience doesn't understand how the Met how the Met in the old days worked. So explain how explain how the Met would work. Well, the Met was uh, the the Metropolitan uh, what I forget what they Metropolitan I, I the, something tournament. Yeah, Metropolitan so anyway. annual tournament. And anyway, it was a uh, it was a it was a South Florida and Keys based tournament, if I can remember correctly. This is going back a long time, but it was basically it was it was over the course of a year, and it was uh, developed by the Miami Herald. Oh, really? And, yeah, uh, as far as I know, it was developed by the Miami Herald, and they had a bunch of sponsors. I think the Miami Rod and Gun Club was in there and um, a bunch of other sponsors. And basically what it was was a, uh, it was a year-long tournament. Um, it culminated in a banquet, and it was an opportunity for all fishermen to kind of compete against each other in categories, Okay, and you'd earn points for certain fish. Okay, so uh, but they basically took a lot of the IGFA um, classes classes, and they said, "All right, let's make you guys compete in these classes." Okay, so there were in the Met there were classes classification for uh, you know all all your IGFA recognized species in like four, six, eight, ten, twelve, and twenty-pound test lines. Right. Okay. There was an all tackle. Uh, uh, there was an all tackle category. There were all these different categories. Okay. Right. And then you had a time frame over a few months to be able to enter. Right. right. Okay. And <coughs> and on top of that, uh, they had a great they had a great idea, and I loved it, and I thought it was great for the for for everybody, especially the charter boats, uh, because it gave. It gave visitors a chance to also compete in the Met uh, and get something out of the Met. Uh, and they had a citation program. You remember, remember the I remember, citations? I, I actually have a couple from when I was younger. Yeah. Um, or I got these junior citations from yeah. the Met because I entered Tarpon and Snook in them way back in the early 80s. Right, right. And what a citation was is it was all these different classifications of, you know, all these different species of fish over a certain weight. Okay, so if you caught uh, if you caught a, 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 a cobia that was over 50 pounds, and it had to have been a pretty good fish to get a citation. Okay, so if you caught like a cobia over 50 pounds, uh, you could submit that for a citation, and then the Met would send you this certificate, and you could frame it or whatever, you know. But it was just, it was a really cool thing, you know. And I mean, I remember, get, I got a few of them when I was a kid. Right, right. Okay, and it was just, it was it was really neat. No, and guys would, um, guys uh, at tackle shops would sport those things. You'd see them on the wall. Yeah. And you'd read and you'd find out who did what. And it was just, it was just good shit. I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see, um, I think if they did the, if, if somebody put on a Blue Marlin tournament, it'd be cool. Because it could go from Palm Beach all the way to Miami. Yeah. And... There could be different awards for the different geographical areas. Yep. There could be awards for quantity of fish, size of fish, and even a line class. I mean, I think if, sure. I think if people decided they wanted to fish with 20-pound tackle and 30-pound tackle, yeah. they should get an extra point per fish yep. over somebody that's fishing 50-pound. Yeah. And I think there ought to be a white marlin category. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Okay, not a selfish category because then you've just diluted the whole thing. 
Right. Sailfish, sailfish and swordfish should not be permitted. This should be a marlin tournament. Okay. Right. Specifically blue marlin, but like with all other tournaments, there's, you know. Uh, I can remember when they introduced sailfish into the BBC. Really? And it totally sucked because what happened was is they'd catch a, a team would catch say one marlin. Yeah. And then they'd run over to an area where they knew they could bang out a half a dozen sailfish. Right. And it became a strategy. And like I said, you know, it, it took away from yeah the marlin fishing. Well, you know, if you it, and and likewise, it's it's sort of a sort of a reverse generation of of how we used to fish like the Pompano Rodeo or the or the uh, Fort Lauderdale Billfish tournament okay because most people knew you could possibly catch a blue marlin in fort lauderdale or a white marlin in fort lauderdale or miami okay but at midway usa we know the ar-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern american history known for its modularity and widespread use it's often considered essential to any gun collection the essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The better chances is if you ran over and you fished Bimini, okay? And a lot of guys would make that run and go over there and and uh, and that would be their strategy right okay and then they come back to Fort Lauderdale or they come back to Pompano and they put the kites up right okay or they'd fish it the next day right you know and that's and that a lot of guys did that yeah uh, I think I think it was bouncer that brought up a good point um, when that guy was talking about putting on the tournament and they were talking about rules and stuff bouncer said to limit to a 35 mile from shore boundary. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea because I think people with smaller and slower boats will feel inclined to compete yeah. and not feel disadvantaged from these guys that have boats that can go 50 yeah, knots yeah, if you, and travel 200 miles in a day. Exactly. I'll put it another way, okay? If they limit it to <laughs> if they limit it to even well, 35 miles is pretty damned far. That's far enough. Okay, that's way <laughs> far. Okay. Um but I, you know, a guy in a guy in Palm Beach could run over and fish the corner, right? Okay, in a in a really fast contender, okay, or some some other rocket ship, right? Okay, and bang out four or five fish, and then come back and oh, I won the South Florida Blue Marlin Classic. Right. No, you didn't. Yeah, right. You're in Bahamian you know, waters for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, exactly. It's not cool. Right, and it, and it takes away from, like I said, the the grander scale. Because I think the I think the what would make it a success would just be the number of participants. Because the you know it, if they got good number of participants, it would be a success because there would be a constant news feed on marlin fishing for call it three months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it'd be something for for all of us to follow and to pay attention to. And right to rekindle that old fire that's in some of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, there there are still blue marlin here. Uh, you know, Woody Woody pulled one off yesterday. You know. Well, Norm, when we when we started um, our little game plan. Yeah. You know, which which is a little game plan. We got a couple of different spreads in mind. Mm -hmm. We have a small geographical area we, area we wanted to catch the fish mm -hmm. in. We wanted to do it from our home port in Port Everglades. Yep. But 
my point is when we started the numbers that were always consistent to us over the years and this is when i say to us i mean to me and my old man because we're the only ones that actually put in multiple multiple days although i did some multiple days with the zen dog and the and the envy right um right here off of fort lauderdale the number was one in four trips right and then when you hooked that fish the other day that was the fourth trip which really really made me feel it, good it, it made you it made you it, it, you felt justified in, i felt in like that. the fishery was not a farce i felt that the fishery was something that i could expect to 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 actually do something in yeah and it not be a fluke not be a farce not be something that is uh would be a chance or a stroke <laughs> of luck well you know <clears throat> listen i i have maintained for a long time that if you go out dolphin fishing okay and you're fishing your 80 and 100 pound leaders and your smaller hooks and your smaller baits you know, and you're specifically targeting dolphin, and you've got a bunch of pilchards in the well, and you got spinning rods rigged, and you're ready to go, and that's that's what you're going to do. And I don't I have no problem with that. Uh, but when the man in the blue suit shows up, you're undergunned. Okay? Number one. Okay, you're undergunned. Number two, chances are a spread like that, you're not going to really hook too many blues doing that because it's just not what they're looking for. Okay? They're not really looking for a dink and a strip okay now i I, i'm not going to say that they won't eat it they will they absolutely will okay and guys hook them uh with some degree uh i'm not going to say regularity but they're not fishing for blue marlins with those spreads if you're fishing for a blue marlin with a spread that's geared towards a bigger billfish okay i believe personally that your chances for catching or raising that particular fish goes up exponentially. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, feed them what they want to eat. Absolutely. And and this is, all right, you're being very politically correct and not trying to offend the guys that fish for five-pound five dolphin. So let me go ahead and offend them. <laughs> all right. If you do not have kids on the boat or you are not trying to teach somebody how to fish... What are you doing? What the hell are you doing targeting five and ten pound dolphin? <laughs> Put out the big shit. Come home with one or two big dolphin instead of ten fucking dinks. And how many times have we done that? Almost every time. Yeah. You know, it is a great way to catch nice dolphin is to put out a decent marlin spread. Hello. And you might actually catch a marlin. But instead, keep the bar low for yourself. Catch a bunch of five-pounders. Bring it home and fillet them. And they look like, oh, are those yellowtail? Oh, no, those are dolphin. I mean, I'm <laughs> talking, that is beneath me, Norm. And if I offend anybody, dude. These people, guys are fishing for bycatch. They need to raise the bar. They're fishing for bycatch. Let me tell you something. We never <laughs> went to Chub K. We never went to Bimini. We never went to K Sal. We never went to all these other walkers. Okay. We never went to those places hoping that we might catch a dolphin. Okay. We never did that. We went over there looking for a thousand pound blue marlin and Godzilla's mother. That's the okay? way. That's the way Boom. to let it come out, Norm. You're being put politically correct right. there and you were catering to the softies out there no. which is exactly what the government's been doing lately <laughs> lower the bar and cater to the people that aren't performing when at a fish high for level bycatch you don't fish for bycatch okay you're happy with your five pound dolphin great you got dinner 
okay? But let me tell you something. When the man in the blue suit shows up 15 feet behind your boat and he's pissed off, you better have something for him to eat. All right, how about this rule? If you have a boat yeah. that you can consistently catch marlin in, mm -hmm. they should definitely fucking raise the bar for themselves. If you're in a freaking 20-foot skiff. Have some standards, man. Right. If you're in a 20-foot skiff, <laughs> then you push the limit and you go catch your kingfish and your five-pound dolphin and your sailfish yeah. and your black fins and all that type yeah. of shit. But if your boat is badass and you spent that kind of cash. Right. Do yourselves a favor. It will be good for your self-esteem and raise the fucking bar. It's like it's like trolling a bar for ugly chicks. When you know that they're there and the better ones are in the same place. Okay? Don't go looking for the 2 o'clocker. Look for the 10 o'clocker. Okay? That's the truth of the matter. Okay? You spent all this money. You spent all this time. You got your all you got all your gear. You got your Florida sportsman. Uh, subscriptions. You got your thousand okay? dollars worth of yetis. You got your thousand dollars, okay? <laughs> and okay, and you go out there and you and you pull and you pull a dink on an eighty-pound leader. Okay, fine. You want to catch a dolphin? Fine. Put it out. You know what I did when we were kids? When I was a kid, okay? <laughs> While my old man had skipping mullets and mackerel and uh, you know and ballyhoos, okay, and teasers out trying to catch the blue marlin i'd pull on his leg and i'd say after about two hours of fishing without seeing anything okay i'd pull on his leg i said hey dad and i'd say to him i said dad you know after two hours of fishing i get bored you know i'm 10 years old 11 years old and i'd start getting bored i said dad let me put out a little feather okay it won't get in the way of anything and i'd catch my little bonitas and tunas and a little dolphin and stuff like that it's something to keep the kids happy well now all these kids have grown up and that's all they pull <laughs> They pull their little feathers and their and their little strips and stuff like that. Great, fine, and then that's all they catch. They catch they catch small fish mostly, okay. They're not, but they're not fishing. I say small fish. You know, you might catch a twenty pound dolphin, your thirty pound dolphin. That's great. I'm not disparaging that. But the point of the matter is, is if you can go for the gold, once in a while, you don't have to do it every trip. In fact, you can't, okay, because. There's at some point like guys like me who take guys out fishing for a living, uh, you know, you have to produce fish. You're not going to produce a blue marlin on every trip. Well, okay. Work ethics changed over the years. People used to be proud and willing to put in a lot of work for something that was great. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Now, now we we have to be satisfied right now. We got we got to have it right now. Right. Okay. We got to have we got to be rewarded. For right. something right now, instead of putting in the time and the effort and, and catching something that's really that might actually make the news or might actually <laughs> or might actually make a difference in your life. Well, you know, if how you, many big fish, how many big fish have made a difference in somebody's life? I could tell you. I could Thousands. Tell, I, 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 right. It happened to my dad. My yeah. dad went out fishing in Cape Ann. They caught a huge fucking bluefin tuna. Yeah. Changed his life. Yeah. Changed my life. He became a boat builder because of that. Yeah. Who built boats for people to do the same friggin' thing. Yeah. Which changed their lives. Yeah. A lot of them. Absolutely. Are you feeling me? No, absolutely. I mean, listen, you, th there's, there's such a thing as called catching the fever. Okay? 
And I'm not talking about COVID-19. All right? <laughs> I'm not talking about wearing masks out there. Have you seen guys wearing masks? Okay? It's crazy. They're offshore. I had a guy, I had a guy on a trip bring a mask out with him. I'm like, what are you doing? I got, Dude, I got no comment. Okay. I got no comment on anything that the government anyway has but comments on. Getting back to what we were talking about, <laughs> all right? It, if you go, if that's you know, the greatest example of that is the sword guys, the guys who are addicted to sword fishing. Right. Okay. These are guys that have put the time in, they put the effort in, they put the expense in. Okay, and they go out there with one rod, one bait. They sink that thing down 1,800 feet and stare at the rod tip for it to barely move. Okay? Let me tell you what. There's nobody that's more committed to greatness than sword guys. Okay? It's, no, it, you're definitely 100% correct because there's only one way to do it, and you have to dedicate your time, energy, and money right. to that. Right. It's that same kind of thinking that, that's, that's going to make the Marlin thing. Okay, it's what has it's always been there. Okay, I mean, how many how many lives? And by the way, you talk about how many uh, how many lives have been affected by big fish? Tons, tons. Okay, tons. How many lives have been ruined by big fish? Just as many. Sure. <laughs> Great. But it was like severely influential. <laughs> severely influential. Yeah. Yeah, and the small fish, they're not severely influential. Do you, do you think there's any correlation between that and the younger generation not reading Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea? I did a podcast with Busaka the other day. Yeah. I was floored. Kid's 27 years old and likes fishing, never read The Old Man in the Sea. What? Yeah. You're kidding. Dude, it threw me off. It threw me off. I had to ask the question two or three times. I did it live on a, well, live on a podcast anyway. The kid never read The Old Man in the Sea. Wow. 27 years old. Wow. Wow. And he loves fishing. Wow. Well, you know, let me tell you what. <laughs> There's a certain degree of lost heritage in, in big game sport fishing. Okay? There really is. There's a big degree of lost heritage. They don't know where it came from. Okay? They don't know the beginnings okay they see the social media they see the youtube videos and they kind of get hooked on it okay but they don't know what came way before that they don't understand the okay? culture of it they don't understand the culture of it they don't understand the his the history of it okay they don't understand how the whole sport was pioneered okay if you go back and you read how how big games tackle was even developed that happened in Miami, my friend. It did. Okay. It did. All right. And, you know, the guys that were doing it, were, they, were, they were out for two fish, a bluefin tuna or a blue marlin. Those were the only things that mattered to those guys. Big game sport Okay. Fishing. That was it. Yeah. Okay. That was it. And, and uh, tarpon. Yeah, tarpon. Okay. Tarpon. Now, tarpon were a big thing in the Keys. Okay. In the early days, that's... You know, because they had those big slow boats and those little skiffs that, you know, they couldn't go far. And every spring, the tarpon around the bridges and the keys, man, that was a big thing. And that's where a lot of tackle development came from. Tarpon fishing was for gentlemen. Okay. 
They did fish like gentlemen. Dude, okay. I can remember the old pictures with fucking ties on and shit. Like gentlemen. Wearing the pith helmets. Dude, from church, right to the ramp, <laughs> right to the tarpon. <laughs> anyway, freaking, uh, I don't know. I hope that Blue Marlin thing comes together. I, yeah. ho- I hope it's a Met style. I hope we get great participation. I hope it sparks a little bit of interest. Absolutely. I also hope there's a bunch of younger people into fishing that hear this podcast, that read The Old Man in the Sea, and start doing their research on the old... Guys like Skip Smith and dudes that really did some big Absolutely. time things. Look up, look up, look up, uh, look up the old Pier Five. Zane look up Gray the history. Stuff. Yeah, it's Zane Gray stuff, Ernest Hemingway stuff, but not not just their literary works. Look up their actual pursuits. Right. Okay. The look missions. At, look at the missions. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's where it's. That's where that was the inspiration for the literature. Okay, and that's where you got to start. If you're really going to get into this, you know, I got to tell you something. I was in LMR the other day, okay, and uh, little Clint comes up to me. He goes, hey, man, he says, uh, you think maybe you guys might take me out when you try and catch a blue marlin one of these days? <laughs> okay. Clint's this kid, okay? Yeah. He's, 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 he's really, uh, I mean, he's a good kid. Don't get me wrong. I like Clint a lot, Okay. But he's a kid, and he wanted he wanted to get in on this blue marlin fishing with us. That makes me really excited. We got to take Clint. Clint, okay, he's because he can rig baits. <laughs> Clint can rig baits. Do you know my history with Clint? Yeah, he kind of told me a little bit about it. I mean, yeah. when he when he when he got out of high school, yeah, and he decided that he wanted to be in the fishing world. His teacher, who was friends of a friend of mine, said you should reach out to Captain Jeff because he's always. You know, fishing and doing stuff, blah, blah, blah. We were building the Zen Dog at the time. Mm-hmm. Clint called me and wanted to know if he could go to work. So I put him to work in the bottom of the Zen Dog sanding and doing prop work and getting yeah. the under, yeah. undercarriage, you know, kind of. Th- the kid didn't even know what an outrigger was at the time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From that point, Clint, <clears throat> I told him, I, says, I said, you know, uh, you got to start getting on the docks. Yeah, and he was dealing with the drift boat at the time. I said, right, "Get off right, the drift yeah. boat." I go, "Get on the docks." I go and meet the guys with the sport fishing boats. And trust me when I tell you, Clint, they need kids like you. At that point, he was still figuring out what an outrigger was, yeah, yeah. but he was smart enough to get on the docks. Very shortly after that, he got a a a, a mate job on a big ass Monterey. Nice. Got his feet wet with that. Mm-hmm. Because of that, he was able to make uh, connections with the guys at LMR. Right now he's working at a tackle shop. He has the experience of he's being on the big boat. He's running that place, and he's an animal in there. And it's nice to hear that he, of all people, yeah. would like to get out there and try to catch a blue marlin. Yeah, T.J. Ralph. Yep, another youngster that wants to catch a blue marlin. He just he just came over here, got marlin advice. Now he's rigging up his boat, put his first day in with another millennial, Busaka. Yep, dude. There is hope for this generation. If they want to go out and start chasing blue marlins, maybe just maybe that's the only way you can save millennials, is get them into marlin fishing. Well, that would be up to. Well, I would like to say people like us, but we really don't have enough money to marlin fish. So the dudes that got all the cash in these fancy yeah, boats, get a kid, get a game plan, and go out there and catch a blue marlin. Absolutely, but you know what? If you can catch one in South Florida. You can catch one in Bimini. You can catch one in Chubb. You can catch one everywhere else. Okay. Some of the best learned right here. Uh, absolutely. You think about that too. Okay. You think about guys like Eddie Herbert. Okay. Oh, and, hundreds. and and Skip 
and Kunta. Between, and, between Palm Beach but, oh. and call it Miami. Yeah. Hundreds. Hundreds. Of phenomenal. Billy Ridgeway. The best fishermen in the world. Yep. That's one of the things, like, when I travel and you go up to Massachusetts and you go to Gloucester and you look at the guys that are sport fishing, or you go down to the Carolinas and you look at the dudes that are sport fishing, and there's some great sport fishermen yeah. there, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's not fair to compare them to the guys from Palm Beach to Miami. The For only, one the only fair here, comparison is no the guys in the Outer Banks. There's no com good comparison because yeah. we could fish year-round. We could fish right out front. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just by the number of days, and that's what it takes to be a great Blue Marlin fisherman, you could not compete with the guys from South Florida. We could put in more days than anybody else. It was an unfair advantage. Today, it's still an unfair advantage. Yeah. Who the heck can go and catch a Blue Marlin five miles off the coast? There's very... We not, can do it in Palm in Beach. The, not, we can do it in the 305. We yeah. can do it in Miami. Not in and the that's continental it. U.S. You can't even do that in the Keys. Yeah. Eh, maybe five miles in the Keys. Maybe. But it's a bigger stretch. That's all I mean. Yeah. So because of that, we've had an unfair advantage, and the number of fishermen that came out of here is a true reflection of it. Well, absolutely. I mean, if if you just look back uh, over time, I mean, the, the, the great blue marlin fishermen, the great captains, they've come from South Florida. It reads the, 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 the list reads like a who's who of marlin fishermen. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. We've been talking about this for 40 minutes. I think it was justified. I hope we've hit a chord with some people. I hope there's some people out there that listen to this podcast and look at themselves in the mirror and say, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going for my Blue Marlin. Right. I'm hoping. I hope they do. Right. I'm hoping that it serves as a little bit of inspiration. And if it does, reach out to us, Jeff at LongerDog.com. Yep. Any place on social media. Norm and I talk about Marlin fishing on Facebook all the time. And thanks for listening to the Real Guy Podcast. That's Norm Beckoff from Finest Kind Sport Fishing. I'm Captain Jeff. This is a podcast for real guys by real guys. And just when you thought I had nothing left to say, we pull a Marlin episode right out of our ass. Right, right out of it. I mean, we just we just need to make Marlin fishing great again. Similar to the boat ramps. Yep, pretty much. Run that dog. Run that dog. <laughs>